to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Missoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Hi, Sarah Missoni. Hey. I wanted to meet up with you this weekend so bad, and it almost happened in a couple of different ways. There was a lot of food events this weekend, and you there was and I- too many food events. It messed it, it messed it up for everybody. There was a lot. We should have all been together in one big. Uh, we should arena. have had the whole convention center. I know. I right? think it would have been a better outcome. Yeah. Well, I think I know that our guest that's on the show was running around at all the events, and I feel like you and I were at opposite ones but so i know you were at uh, my people's market how was that Ooh, it was really good we um i actually asked the potato commission to bring in three thousand pounds of potatoes and we gave everybody potatoes that came to the my people's market that's so cool i love that yeah it was super fun and osu was really present because our extension services have decided to really get involved in the portland metro area yeah. Uh, there was a tailgater, which I tried to invite people to, but everyone was too darn busy. And then you- we got to go to the football game. I brought Elsie Dindle yeah. with me. I saw that you did It was that. her and- first football game ever. It You invited me as well. And it would have been my first football game. I, I'm not a sports gal. And when I got it the invite been- from you, I was like, you know, if I was going to go to a football game, I it think was I'd go with Sarah. <laughs> awesome. We sat up on one of the, the second to the highest level of seating there the toyota something or another pavilion and elsie and i were like scared to walk down the stairs because it felt like you were gonna like fly out into the stadium (laughs) we were just like she's like you go first i was like okay Well, I'm glad fun. that you had a good time. I'm I it was nice to see Elsie on there. She said she had a lot of fun too because I commented on your guys' stuff. I was like, she what? did. She really enjoyed herself. And we had a nice uh, bite to eat at a little brewery a few blocks away. They had oh. a tailgater. So we felt really supported by the community in our endeavor of going to the football game. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you did that. I'm glad you had a good time. I was at the... um, You were at OEN. OEN, yep. And I was there with about 50 other makers. It was very cool. There was lots of people that I hadn't met before. I have um, some future guests that are going to come on the podcast. Uh, You know, we were there a little early, so I got to walk around and check everything out. And I saw lots of past guests. So it was really nice. It it felt like... um, 
you know, the community coming back together again, because I've only really been at the farmer's markets so far. Um, and this was like nice to be around other makers and just be able to chat. And there was just really good yeah. energy because there was a lot of people presenting their businesses and getting awarded yeah. some funding from New Seasons. And so it was really cool. It was a great and a day. nice venue as well. Yeah, the red is a beautiful space. It's cool. Um, you know, the inside is really nice. They have that nice cooking kitchen. Um, I've done a couple of cooking work workshops in there before. They have cameras on it and stuff. It's pretty neat. Um, if people haven't been to an event in there, I would recommend. I do have to fun. ask you a question. It yeah. looks like you're getting paid for posting stuff now. <laughs> I, I like, what's this disco boom? Chicka yeah. chicka boom, yeah. flashing so, pictures and all that. Thank stuff. you for noticing. I did my first official sponsored post today. I've never done one before. Dang. Um, but it's through Kitch, which is the cooking platform. I oh. So they're experimenting with um, sponsored, you know, chefs. And so uh, they asked if I would be one of their sponsored chefs oh. as they experiment with it. So I've never, I've never done a sponsored post before, and I did one. So I made that video. Yeah. Um, in my last class, my rain raindrops rainmakers class that I did that was for um, businesses. I I did a pitch contest, and what I won was all this equipment to do these videos. So I won a oh. ring light, and I run, won a camera stand that like follows you along. And then that app that I'm using is part of a program that I won in that. And it, this was the first time that I used it because I was I, like, I haven't seen that before. That was <laughs> pretty. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I I didn't have a reason to like sit down and do it, or just didn't have the time. And so I was like, well, if I'm being sponsored and somebody's paying me to do this, then I can like take the time make to it fancy. Learn, yeah, to learn how to use this new equipment. So okay. What do you think of the video? I didn't get to watch the video because I, to be honest, I was just on there for 30 seconds before it came <laughs> on. But I did notice you and your little lady were making uh, canned zucchini pickles as well. And yep. Yep. I noticed that Judy um, sent out an email asking everyone for baked goods for uh, cancer bake off or something fundraiser if anyone's interested in donating to a bake sale um judy ann she's one of our past guests she's gonna yeah. do a um a bake sale to raise money and um if anybody wants to donate just either contact us or judy ann we can connect you with her yeah um, so you have to bake something that's edible though yeah you have to bake something edible yes you do <laughs> be yeah. yeah yep well, Sarah, we should probably um, introduce our guests. I mean, I love we, we have to talk that. about our sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you read an ad from our sponsor and then okay, we'll introduce okay. our guests. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local entrepreneurs. So much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers, farmers, ranchers, and fisher folks realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. We love you, Market of Choice. Yeah, thanks, Market of Choice. I um, did see John Boyle at the um, event I was at this weekend. And oh, he, at the OEN one? Yes, I did. And he was okay. like, are you finding guests from your podcast? <laughs> yep. <laughs> sure am. All right. Well, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, yes, we do. We have um, had Hannah on before. This is the yes. second time, though. She has lots of new projects that she's working on that we didn't talk about 
three years prior now that she she was on the show. So I uh, would like to introduce Hannah Kohlberg today. She is the operator of the Community Co-Packers here in Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Hannah. Hi, welcome. Hi, Hannah. Glad to be here. We're so glad you're here. Um, We want our listeners to be able to find you and follow you. So um, why don't you give them your Instagram if you want it to just be the business one, that's fine, or your personal one too, whatever you you want to do. Yeah, um, you can reach us at Community Copac NW for Northwest on Instagram. And uh, this has been a common question recently. So I'm going to just put it out there. If you want to get an interest call in about co-packing with me, the flow is you fill out the interest form and then you get a link to my Calendly and a mutual NDA all at the same time. So we're all bases covered. And then you can really just get some time with me to talk about it versus calling randomly or emailing. Definitely like that flow so we can have some grounding and (laughs) and everything that you're Establishing boundaries right off the bat. I like it. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. Well, so Hannah, let's tell people about uh, Community Co-Packer um, and just let's just start with what you do and where you're at. Yeah. So uh, Community Co-Pack is a flexible run contract manufacturer and it was uh, really thought up by my co-founder, Chris Bailey, as a need that he was seeing in the community. Both him and I were business service providers, hit him with the Portland Mercado, I with the SBDC. And we were seeing this reoccurring issue of entrepreneurs not being able to access co-packing. And there's several kind of reasons why, right, um, that I could get into. But we decided to catalyze the solution. We went and wrote a grant and got some funding from Business Oregon to launch it. And now this, which is crazy, right? So like the last time I was on the, the podcast, I was like, and we're going to work on it. And so, yeah. you know, now it's here. We've been in production almost for a year. So November, yeah. December, we will have been in production for a year. Uh, we're located in one of the kitchens at the Red on Salmon. Uh, so Chris was not at Angel Food. He was actually in a production in production on oh. Saturday. <laughs> right um, well, I got to do the fun things of talking to everybody. Um, and yeah, it's we we center uh, supporting BIPOC makers and women founders, um, but not exclusively. We're you know really just being in our role as a community, you know, co-packer and, and helping solve for those, um, sort of production issues in the supply chain or things that can support, um, our, our packaged good community. So, uh, right now we have around 10 clients. We've done also, um, some, product development in-house. We've collaborated with the FIC on product development to to support businesses getting their their products launched. And um, yeah, it's been a really amazing experience. Hannah, how do you figure out who's going to get to work with you at your co-packing facility? Yeah, well, the first, so during those interest calls, I do a lot of like, well, what is your process? What does it look like? What equipment do you use now? What do you need? And I can pretty readily sort of like, okay, we can't, right, Um, uh, do those things. So we are not a certified organic or gluten-free facility. We cannot do um, 
that level right now. We just have a very small footprint. Uh, we are, we do have a third party food audit. So that was what we prioritized. So if anyone's seeking either of those things, I say, Hey, let me help you find another co-packer. We are, we have a small oven. We're not set up for baked goods. So that's a quick checkoff. No, um, and oftentimes I'll talk to that entrepreneur too and really understand their, their supply chain a little bit and saying like, maybe you're not even ready for a co-packer period, right? Because a lot of baked goods, there's a lot of freshness. It's complicated, yeah. Complicated, yeah, exactly. So, but do you have a fryer? We have, so yes. So we, what we are doing a lot of is we're doing fryer, fr- we're frying so things. snacks. So snacks, we can do snacks. That's we have a good. sealer so we can seal them up. We're doing uh, a lot of sauces and glass or pouches. We did our first pouch sauce run this last weekend. That was very exciting. Um, and we're doing some drinks. We have two big kettles. That's a big part of what we can do. We have some blixers for blending and um, we're doing ingredient prep for one business. Uh, so doing like light uh, vegetable processing, spice processing uh, for yeah for one business, and then we're making a pickled product as well. So that's a lot of like the hot fill acidified realm, mm-hmm. um, but we can also do fresh. Uh, we were doing a cashew cheese for a little while with those blixers. So a variety. We want to be nimble and do a variety of things, but um, there's actually still a lot. You know, dehydration, uh, freeze drying extruding there's a lot we can't do and I still am like oh gosh you know oh I hope I want to like help you know there, we did a, a mushroom grower reached out to us last week and I was like he wants to do dehydrated mushrooms like gosh <laughs> how can we help you you know but we, we don't Build have a dehydrator that. dude <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd like well, Yeah. The um, thing too, that when you're mixing all of those different things, you have to, you don't realize like how it affects it. Cause I know that even just when I brought a dehydrator and a freeze dryer into my kitchen, cause I was using those things, um, you can't do all those same things at the same time. So if you run a dehydrator and a freeze dryer, you would need a totally different power source and it makes it extremely hot in the kitchen. (laughs) So even if you have air conditioning, it'll like shut everything down. So it's like, sometimes I think you just have to pick one thing and go with it unless you're building out, you know, different facilities that are all, aren't all in the, the same yeah. space. You know? And that's really the vision. That's true. How do we activate other spaces? Yeah. This one we said, we, to launch community copac, we, we sent out an interest form and we were like, okay, who's interested in this service? Who needs it? And we purchased our initial um, equipment based on those needs and mm-hmm. who, who showed up, what they're, you know, where they were at. Um, and so some of these other things have come on a little bit later. So that's why we didn't have equipment for it. Yeah. Um, so hoping that, you know, maybe other food hubs put in a similar model and um, have the freeze dryer or have the dehydrator or um, actually I was just down at um, Bohemia food hub in cottage Grove and they have a total baking setup. They have the um, like convection oven where you can put the rack in. They bought an old bakery essentially. So they have all the pans and all the things. It's really exciting. Is that the same group that's in Beaverton? They expanded or is it different? No, one is Bohemian. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, and I was oh. totally confused as well. <laughs> I'm confused right now. Yeah, but there's apparently like a Bohemia Park in Cottage Grove that it's right. Oh, 
Yeah. Well, now you'll know where to send people that come to you wanting baking done. (laughs) (laughs) So you said you have about um, 10 current clients right now. Can you tell us who some of those are? Are you not allowed to talk about it? (laughs) Uh, We can tell, we can talk about some. Yes. Okay. Um, We are really uh, excited to be working with Nikki from Hot Mama Salsa and making her chips. Not all her chips, not her farmer's market chips. (laughs) 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 We're we're helping... Retail expansion of, you know, of her chips. Um, and we are working with uh, David from Hob Sauce and all of his really creative sauces that he does. And he's been blowing up recently. So they're both- I saw him at a major retailer over the weekend. Who was Winco. it? Winco. He's in Winco. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it at Winco. Yeah. 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 He's doing really well with his, his sauces. So we have like consistent days for them. They're kind of our anchor uh, anchor clients. We work with Holly from Sabiho. That was kind of an intense story in that her co-packer shut down this year mm-hmm. we had to shift. <laughs> and actually that all kind of uh, came out of the fancy food show in um, Vegas, Sarah. Like, oh, so you were right next to Problem yeah. solver. Yeah. yeah, that's where great bonds happen. I think your <laughs> neighbors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's true. Chris called me this week. He's like, I think we should go to the next fancy food. I'm like, are you sure? We're really trying to focus on, you know, organ-based businesses because we did get an, a national client out of that as well. But we're really, you know, trying to focus on our, our community. Um, he's like, yeah, you know, it's so good. So <laughs> thank you always for helping uh, make that opportunity happen, Sarah. Um, yeah. well, and you you mentioned something, a couple important things I just want to touch on. So, um, you know, those were those are all of our like soft buddies and people that we talk about a lot. Um, but the reason why it's important for um, Nikki to make her farmer's market chips herself is because there's rules around those things. So as so when we have new makers that are listening, I just like to give them information. So if you're going to sell something at the farmer's market, you, you have, have to manufacture to it. it yourself, yeah. at least to be part of the Portland farmer's market. And so, um, you know, if you're starting to look at getting into wholesale or you're looking at having a co-packer make something, just know that that's part of it. If you want to keep doing the farmer's market, you have to keep manufacturing your stuff that you're selling at the farmer's market and it has to be yep. made with ingredients that are local. So that show becomes, up. yeah, that becomes part of sometimes <laughs> as businesses are growing, when they're making those decisions, maybe you don't do the Portland farmer's market and you do other farmer's markets. And so it, it, that doesn't need to be part of your thought process, but um, just so people can think about it and know that um, that's part of the deal. That's a good <laughs> tidbit, Sarah. Yeah. I yeah. think it's been a surprise to makers that that information. And so it is really important to know ahead of time. The, yeah. The, yeah. The so you can plan. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. we've launched two businesses, but for the most part, we say we look for businesses that have been in business for a while. They've been making their product. They know their systems. They know yeah. their supply chain uh, and, you know, have that intimacy with their product because there's well, a lot of learning. They have to have cash flow to be able to pay for the service too, Hannah. Exactly. The, <laughs> let's, talk, yeah. let's talk about that a little bit, Hannah. So if um, just if we have people that are thinking about coming to you um, to have something made, let's say they do have like an acidified product and something that you can manufacture there for them. What does that process look like? So they fill out an NDA form, they get in yeah. contact with you, they go through the right channels. And then what happens after that? 
So then I'll send them our intake email, which I might feel a little overwhelming. I'm, I'm trying to be like all ears. There's a lot of information in there. I set up a, a Google folder so that we can share that information. And there's an outline of what we'd like to see put in that folder from, you know, UPCs and your brand to you up. Uh, process written up and then your your recipe we made an intake form where you can write your your recipe into it and the sourcing associated with it um i will make a note that when we started out we were really hoping to activate more of that collective sourcing many of our products have been pretty divergent and so and just also from our business it's hard standpoint, we've just been said, like we've said, you're responsible for sourcing. So we're not a turnkey um, co-packer. We're very much a partner and you, you know, we will do that production piece in the middle, but the founder really needs to be involved in the supply chain choices. There were a few people that were reached out to us in the beginning and wanted us to sort of source everything for them. I'm like, well, yeah, it's like, are you kidding me? A lot of branding decisions. That's a lot of inorganic or not organic. What type of spice are you choosing from the flavor standpoint? Um, So really not something we want to get involved, involved in. And so, you know, we ask that everything shows up for your production run. And then we'll do again, that work of making the recipe and packaging it up and getting it out the door. Um, And then actually on that other end, we're working with Beeline in the warehousing and uh, distribution aspect. So we set you up with Beeline if you need ongoing storage. If you're picking it up yourself, that's great too. Um, we we found it, or if it just gets right out to the retailers, we set up those systems. Um, but anyways, um, we ask that you put all those items into the Google fo- folder, we review it. And then the next thing is getting a test run scheduled. And so that's where we're really learning together, right? We're learning your how to make your product with you. We're testing it on our equipment Oftentimes there's some sort of new equipment being used or a scaling up right to the steam kettles or mm-hmm. trying out. We've done, you know, a few different, few different blending <laughs> solutions. Let's take a quick break and um, we'll come back and talk about some other um, community products that Hannah's got going on. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, we're back. Can you tell us a little bit about the bold reuse packaging for retailers and food manufacturers and how that's being implemented? I am so excited about collaborating with Bold Reuse and New Seasons. And Bold Reuse is the formerly Go Box, right? So they've been in the mm-hmm. packaging reuse um, sanitizing system for a really long time. They actually have a facility right down the street uh, from the red and um they wrote a grant for the metro area to pilot a packaging reuse program. So right, not recycling, but it's actually going back, getting washed and returned to the maker. So we're launching a pilot right now um, with New Seasons. You have to have a, It's we're focusing on glass um, primarily, but me, I keep on like, well, what about this thing? And what about Thing that we can reuse, but really focusing on glass because of the supply chain issues around glass and how expensive it is. We know there can yeah, be it's a, a solution there. Uh, so uh, glass-based products, products that are in new seasons, and then ones that can sticker 
them specifically to call out to the consumer about bringing them back to new seasons. But Bold Reuse is already set up with uh, drop sites and all of the new seasons. Uh, so you'd bring it back to, you know, you get your package, you eat your food, you'd bring it back to new seasons, and then it goes to Bold Reuse gets washed and then back to the maker. The next step, the next month, we're holding a round table to really work out and hash out all the issues, talking about label removal. That's always a sticky issue, literally. <laughs> Sir Marshall, are you going to use it? Yeah, I didn't know about this, but that is of great course. for me because I have such specific bottles and I, you know, do sell at new season. So I, you know, I take bottle my bottles back at the farmer's market because mm-hmm. I, I like need them, you know, I want yeah, them so don't. bad, but I would love if someone else would take the labels off for me. For Seems sure. like a no brainer. <laughs> yeah. We would love for you to participate and you'd be a, you'd be yeah. the candidate and yeah. then you have a lot of insight too, because you're already taking back glass at the farmer's market and know about that. My dream is that we can actually implement it in the future at the farmer's market as well. Oh, for collection? For collection. Yeah, Yeah. when people come, they can bring their bottles. Well, and I think, you know, this brings us to a good point where, um, you know, Hannah, you're a member of the Portland Farmer's Market Board. And I think that the the farmer's market is really a great place where all of us makers kind of are, are, you know, we're interacting in the marketplace. And then, um, you know, we do have that connection with those stores too, with new seasons, the market and choice. And I do think that this is a good way to kind of bring it full circle because, um, you know, the farmer's market for years now has been, has been doing Amber implemented this program with the hot food to have like zero waste. So people, um, you know, serve hot food on dishes that they then put in tubs and then, you know, nobody has like to go anything, which is like, that was really something when Amber started that, that I hadn't seen at any other markets. And, um, you know, I think that now the customers at the market are really used to that kind of thing. So I used to try to get people to bring bottles back to me, you know, 10 years ago, and it was very challenging. And now that they're used to being in, being part of this no waste, where even, you know, pre-COVID, uh, even the garbage cans were customers covered where it was just like, we won't generate any trash at this market because there's no trap, you know, there's nothing here that's, that's disposable. But now, um, that changed a little bit because of COVID because of all the gloves and hand washing that needed to take place. And so Mm -hmm. it's a little bit different, but, um, but the, but the customer's mindset is still in that same place of, um, you know, we're all doing stuff to not generate trash. And I think that that would be a good place to implement it at the farmer's market because they're already used to that, um, you know, the recycling of plates and stuff of, of dishes. I'm, I'm kind of probably speaking a little out of turn, but I'm definitely trying to advocate too, for a kind of a go box return. Cause since so many yeah. people are taking food with them now, I mean, I got a tamale at the farmer's market this last week and I took it with me. Right. And so it would have been nice to have something that I can then bring back later. There's uh they have that at OSU, actually, they have reused to go boxes and all the, cafeterias. Yeah. So I think that's really the future. And that's what GoBox does originally. And they've actually had these newer, um, uh, less expensive options mm-hmm. to get into. I, I mean, honestly, very similar to like um, hot mama salsa containers. Those containers are so durable. I reuse all of them all the time. Um, they're my, you know, a set of my Tupperware <laughs> essentially. Um, so it could look, it could look like that, but yeah, this is, I mean, you know, always grand visions, but starting small with this one, and then hopefully it can be implemented in a bigger and bigger sense. Because if you think really long-term and just the issues that we've seen over the last two years, 
packaging, supply chain. I mean, it's getting untenable for small businesses to. We had a lot shut down, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It get, it's and it's still really challenging to get supplies for makers, especially especially glass. Um, and then also it's very expensive. So for most makers, you know, we we always talk about on the show, we like to talk about people needing to raise prices, but that's one of the places that we're really seeing mm-hmm. um, you know, as as manufacturers seeing a big price increase is not just on the glass, but on getting it to us because there's not glass manufacturers here in Portland. So, yeah. Yeah, And you know what? You don't always have to start in glass. Like you can start in plastic. (laughs) (laughs) But just like Hannah said, she reuses it in her own kitchen. So a lot of people do that. Like if you can't get glass, then go refrigerate it and, you know, just work it out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, back to like, cause so community co-packs definitely, we have a couple of our businesses that will be involved in this program, but you know, also I'm seeing that trend of, of makers moving towards packets, right? We have Mm -hmm. one right now that flexible packaging models. Yeah. Moving towards flexible packaging. Exactly. Because that it's um, shipping storage. Did you get a bag filler then? Did you get a pouch filler? We have a piston filler and we're okay. And carefully and yeah, yeah, carefully hand filling them. (laughs) That's uh, the this should be one of our million at a time. (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, still small scale within you know everything that we're doing. If someone reaches out with you know hundreds of thousands of units that they want, I mean that's for a real you know like a real full blown full line co packer. You have to go to some big company or something. And Hannah, how many people do you have working there right now? We have a staff of, you know, five to, you know, seven, depending on who you're sort of counting and it it flexes in. I mean, the thing with staffing right now is it is, it's difficult also. Mm -hmm. We have, um, you know, some really amazing people, but some of them have, um, you know, have limited hours that they can work. So we work with their schedules. Uh, one's a musician. So he was traveling uh, like all across Europe for his band, which is so cool for him. But, you know, we're so we're really flexing with our um, our staff to kind of find that win win in there. But, you know, that's the creative area that we all have to get right now. We've been in conversations with uh, Stone Soup PDX. Uh, to collaborate with them on some of their workforce development work um, with people transitioning out of houselessness. Um, That hasn't materialized yet, but it's... um, It's harder to do than you thought, isn't it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, Also, if you do that, you have to have like a lot of other support services to help folks because it's complicated. One of the things it says here is that you have an advisory committee. Yeah. So we had uh, an advisory committee set up in the beginning. Now it comes on the more like, you know, kind of real business, like, you know, just like kind of at the farmer's markets where you have those conversations. I'd say it's like, we're having conversations with our clients in those moments of like exchange and getting that feedback and then iterating and growing with them. For any business that's within its first year, I think that's, that's just 
part of your growing process. Is exactly. that first, having an advisory board is one of the hardest things to do unless you're paying super people, hard, which of course, as a new business, you can't really do. But I think people are always on board. But then when it comes to like actually coming to the meetings and committing to like a, a couple year commitment, it's very challenging. I mean, I'm and actually sure. doing some work. Yeah. <laughs> I've worked for lots of nonprofits where it's Art. that is that you are not alone, Hannah. That is a challenge to have people, you know, be part of your board and be part of your advising committee and help you to work through some of these things. But um, I would say, I think that we can clearly see that you guys are making an effort that a lot of companies maybe wouldn't even think to do. So I think it's a good um, roadmap to have, but just know that it's going to be like ever changing, you know? Exactly. Even like the iterations that we've done in our intake materials based on feedback, how we communicate things. I mean, and my phone number being available, right? It was like, <laughs> we got so many packaging companies calling what us. The heck? Yeah. <laughs> Best use of my time. I want to be available for the founders, not necessarily available for sales calls. For everybody that wants to sell you something, right? I remember Sarah Masoni one time in the, one of the very first meetings I went to with her to go on like a, a thing with her. She's like, okay, you guys in this room have my phone number, but do not share it with everybody else. <laughs> I did. I was like, I will kill you. Don't give it to everybody because, because that is what happens. I mean, I realized that right away, just having my, my business, you know, the only phone number is my cell phone number for our whole business. And so what that means is that I never answer my phone. phone I never answer my phone because 75% of the time it's people calling to get me to use their trucking company, you know, because they, they just like cold call people, you know, when they see that you have a business. And so it, it's, you know, it's difficult to have your your personal number out there in the world for everybody accessible and not right. Right. And so that's yeah, where it's landed and everybody needs a really good administrator working for them. Like I have Catherine. (laughs) You have someone to field your calls. Yeah. I mean, it, it gets to a point where you just have to sort of build yourself out a little. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's, you know, it's the reality of, you know, yeah, we really came in as dreamers and creating, mm-hmm. them. like, we want to do all of these solutions. And, you know, hopefully some of them will continue to be birthed, but there's yeah. reality of running a business that, that hits. And I think it's so, yeah, it's an important lesson that we, you know, we get to learn probably multiple times over. I'm probably going to learn this like four more times in my <laughs> life, you know, and, um, but just, you know, even sharing back to the, you know, someone thinking about starting a food business or, or, a you know, a particular thing they want to do within their, their business. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, Let's face uh, it. People want instant gratification. Everything they do, they want instant gratification. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you look at the businesses that are, you know, Sarah, how long has your business been around? 12 years. 12 years. Even FIC has been around 23. 23 years. We still don't quite have it right. We're working on it, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, those are, that's, uh, that's when you're getting juicy and you're, you're really figuring things out, you know, at that stage. Mm. I think people look and they're like, one one or two years or maybe. Or they think we have it easy or something. They don't really know all the blood, sweat, and tears involved with where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's so Mm -hmm. true. So, yeah. Got to get through those those hard years so that maybe all the visions can eventually (laughs) come to fruition. Well, I I wanted you to talk about some of the things that you do um, with 
with other people outside of the co-packer. And I know that you do a lot of work with ODA and you just worked on some projects. Can we tell people about those things? Yes, I would love to. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, me as an entrepreneur, right, I'm I'm out here sort of catalyzing solutions for our packaged food ecosystem or you're creating things together because also, you know, community co-pack is um a startup, just like any food business, right? You're, you're maybe like working your day job at the same time. So I've been grateful to work with Prosper Portland on um, doing roundtables where um, networking roundtables for businesses and bringing people together. That's been really fun. And then this last year, I was working with the Oregon Department of Agriculture and their marketing program on helping um, bring to life a a resource page for food business startups. It's the Oregon Department of Ad Food and Beverage Maker Roadmap. And, uh, you know, huge shout out to Eric Garman, who, you know, thought of the project and made it happen and got the grant money. And then uh, Micah from Eugene's Table was a huge um, participant in creating it in the kind of the foundation of that whole website. But the idea behind it is, is to make all these resources more accessible, help people find the FIC, help people find the Getting Your Recipe to Market program, help people find um, whatever else it might be that they need. And it, there's actually like location sorting, searching. It's... um still new, right? It was launched this year. So there's more and more resources being built out. Uh, but the thing that I was really excited about it and got to work on um, really closely with Eric is this actually startup journey roadmap. And it was based off of a checklist that we made for the getting your recipe to market program. Like what are all the things you need to do to launch a food business? Because again, even in community Copac, right? I get a lot of people that reach out that are sort of at idea phase uh, still with their business. I'm like, well, you know, have you weighed out your ingredients yet? You know, it's like, you're not ready for co-packing, but, you know, look at this resource, figure out everything that you need to do. It's a lot of work. Like, you know, even all those restaurants that are looking or food carts looking to launch a packaged food product, it's not just a quick, easy thing. And a lot of times mm -hmm. there's a lot of steps involved and to be really fully aware of the investment that goes into that behind, you know, behind launching a product and does it actually make sense? And there's, they're going to be, you know, that fit. So there's that really fun map PDF map that you can find on that website. And it's the Oregon. Cool. Bridge. I, That's nice. I've been um, working, you know, part of our mission for my soft businesses to, um, you know, inspire the next generation of, of makers and canners. So that's like part of the things that I do, like just to volunteer. So this is my second time going to Lincoln High School. Um, they have a culinary arts program. And so I just go and talk to the kids about what it's like to start a business, think, talk about um, ideas that they have because they're, you know, they're, they're wanting to be chefs and, and makers. And I'm going to tell them about the roadmap. I'm going tomorrow. So it'll be perfect because they can maybe use it as part of their curriculum if they like are, you know, going to design a business or whatever, but they're always very interested in, um, you know, they have ideas and things that they want to do. So it'll be good to like have them actually see all the different steps and, and things that they can do. I'm going to a high school too. I'm going to the <laughs> culinary arts program at Liberty High School, I think in Forest Grove. Wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. In okay. October. You know, Mimi's Mimi, who used to make the um, jams and jellies. She is now a culinary instructor at Liberty High School. And she asked me to come there. That's so cool. I do remember her. I think we did the Beaverton Market uh, you know, yeah. a few years back. Yeah, that's, so, yeah. that's awesome. 
Yeah, so I'm excited about that. I too. love that you're you're doing that, both of you. My, my do you want to do it too? Well, I kind of I'm like I want to go to a canning class, actually, Sarah. Oh yeah, totally. Never canned. I bought a garage sale canner system. I'm a little bit scared of it. To be oh totally my god, honest. I will I will get you on the road to canning. You're gonna leave my class with confidence, just like yeah. Else. Hey, guess what? Do it. OSU is talking about doing the master canning training here at the FIC again. So you should for sure. It's definitely needed. I mean, you know, when I went through the program, I had to drive to Vancouver and it, I, it was challenging to do that, but, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Multnomah County needs a program. Extension is really trying hard. They're coming into Multnomah County, regardless of the county, not funding the programming. Maybe they will. There's still time. Come on, voters. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll tell them I need it. Yeah. 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 Well, Hannah, Hannah, Hannah let's can together. Time. You can just come over. We'll get you going. I want to can. Yeah. Let's do it. Canning party. Yes. <laughs> the midnight kitchen is opening. <laughs> I've got apples right now. Applesauce. I have tomatoes. <laughs> I have some actually. That's a good point. I have some from my CSA too. Oh. I also have peppers. <laughs> all the Pepper fun. Crop. Hannah, last year, um, Sarah brought over all of her um her peppers and tomatoes that she grew, but she grew all these really spicy peppers. Like they were so like, hot. We tried eating yeah. the sauce. We gave it all back to the Marshall family. So yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so Sarah brought all her stuff over. She was like, I grew the hottest peppers around. I want you to make a sauce. So I made the sauce. It was like, so good. Was and Sarah so couldn't hot. eat it. So she gave it all back to me and I ate it. I ate all of it. It was delicious, but yeah. <laughs> Your daughter loves spicy food too. Uh, you know, she's getting into it. Yeah. Uh, she's always, she's always wanted to try everything that I eat. And so because of that, you know, I make my food very spicy and she's always like eating it, um, alongside me. She'll like, I always have a glass of water, like on the ready, you know, but I think it's like built up her tolerance just slowly. So now she's She's like, she's pretty good. Yeah. So Hannah, I wanted you to talk about, I think last time you were on the show, maybe you were just starting the Pacific Northwest food makers group. So I'm sure. Yeah. I don't think we've, we've talked about it um, since then really. So uh, I think there's a lot of our listeners that would benefit from it. You want to tell people about it and how they can join? Yes, please. Um, So yeah, Pacific Northwest packaged food and beverage group. It's a resource sharing network based Mm -hmm. off of Google uh, groups. Before you go any further, can people outside of the Northwest join the Google group? That's my question for you. Uh, there are a few people I tend to, you know, recommend they find a network in their ecosystem, you know, so much of this local, like selling to each other, uh, bit that's happening and, um, yeah resourcing from each other, but they can, if they want to, it's just not the same. So there's a few stragglers here and there. I will say even like, I even noticed a little bit of a disconnect from the Seattle to the Portland area or Portland, you know, to the um, Mm -hmm. greater. And it's inspired a couple of other subgroups. Like there's a subgroup in Eugene um, that Micah hosts. Um, But yeah, you can, I mean, it joined by via email and it's that you get email digests or um, put it kind of in a, uh, updates folder, uh, and then you can email out what you're looking for, respond to emails, sharing. It's a sharing back uh, kind of community. And we have, yeah, when I was on the 
on here last, it was about 200 members and now it's up to 700. Whoa. Um, there's a lot of people, there's duplicates in there. And uh, I mean, truthfully, we've seen a lot of uh, businesses also shut down and transition in the last couple of years. So there's been a lot of shift. And I mean, we, yeah, you know, COVID, we started all, tried to start a distribution co-op out of the group mm-hmm. and all sorts of crazy things, but um, it's kind of, you know, settled down more, especially since we're having like live events, but um, there's this wealth of three plus years of background information that if you go to Google groups and you search in the the search bar for something, you're looking packaging distribution about an event, if it was good or not, um, an event you want to do, you can find that information in there. um, Because I think it's it's a really nice resource. I I think what I've used it for the most recently is buying a lot of stuff from people, especially as it's been hard to get. Like I I just bought um, thirty cases of brand new canning jars that I need for my classes, and they've been really hard to get. You know, like all mm-hmm. the stores are sold out, or or they're like twenty dollars for a case of canning jars. And so um, I brought the I bought them from a maker who um, was doing a zero proof um, cocktail kit during the pandemic for people to take and make cocktails in these individual canning jars. And so um, I bought all the jars because he's now just doing regular pop-up events. And so, nice. um, so yeah, so it was, it's really nice. That's the last time I used it for it. And it's wow. Awesome. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looks like we're almost done here. Yeah. We, we, our time went by so fast, you guys. So Hannah, anything you want to say before we wrap it up, anything we didn't get to? The one thing I did want to shout out is that at the Portland Farmers Market, we are working on a grant program in honor of Matt Choi. It's a few years um, coming, but his, I have, always have a little bit of hard time. It's his birthday coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Coming up in October. His yes. Birthday, October 22nd. Um, we are going to be celebrating him and giving a few businesses that are interested in building farmers market-based businesses, right? And this is just fresh on my mind, kind of the the comparison to like an angel food, right? That that's like big investment and focused on really, you know, huge growth. We're talking about granting money to support businesses in develop, you know, growing their like to another farmer's market location or getting into farmer's markets for the first time or just those things that are really getting more tables and tents and Mm -hmm. duplicating what you're already doing so you can expand. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm really excited about that. And it's, we're, we're just doing a lot of work too on, on vendor that we have a new vendor success committee. And so really focusing in on supporting our, our, our vendor vendors at the the market in new and innovative ways. And so I'm always telling people like, if there's something you need or you're feeling you need from that farmer's market experience to, to share it back um, because yeah, they, we want to, Oh, they're so lucky to have you, Hannah. <laughs> Thank you. It's been fun. I've been really enjoying it. Um, I feel like there's, yeah, just a lot of cool, like it's that there's a heartbeat there and it's a center of um, of where a lot of people start. And it is. Um, it's important to the Portland economy. Yes. Yeah. Hugely so. So, yeah. Um, but I appreciate being able to plug all these fun things I've been working on and that I'm um working on into the, into the future, uh, because they all weave together, right? <laughs> yeah, they do. 
I'm dreaming new dreams. I had some new dreams today. So. We had that dream talk. I don't know how many years ago you and I talked. I was like, Hannah, you got to think of what you want to do and go for it. You were the first person I saw after, um, yeah, being laid off at Better Bean. I was like, Sarah, <laughs> I want to do well, Look at you stuff. now. You're yeah. doing so great. Thank you for always your advice and your clarity of, of seeing um, and helping me, you know, transition out of out of things that I need to transition out of. So, yeah. Good well, job. Hannah, I always like to ask this one final question, which is what do you need from your community? How can we support you? Ah, oh, that is so great. Um, I will be honest and say that I am finally thinking about monetizing this Google group and that, and I, you know, and I'm scared about it. And I feel like, you know, I just really still want it to be super accessible. And I've been thinking about it all year. You know, I did like an optional one, but I'm going to make it a real actual, you need to be a member to be a part of it. And I, you know, I hope that people want to still be a part of it and they can show up and um, kind of, you know, help me to help hold that space more in that way, because I want to, I want to do more there. I want to be more of that, you know, solving these problems and catalyzing things, but being an advocate for that community. And so um, I hope there can be some really great exchange there. But even already today, I had a a call about getting some like sponsored memberships. So I'm like already thinking of all the creative ways to keep it super accessible for for everyone. Um, And I always love the free food products. You can give them all to me. <laughs> well, there you go. There Just you go. drop them off at the Copac, right? Food community. Your name on it. But you would... You don't want to be at the end of the expiration date. You want them no. fresh. Oh, I don't no. even care if they're at the end. Oh, of the don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> Hannah, it was great to have you on the show. I I can talk to you more about this later, but I don't think you should be afraid to charge money for the service that you're providing. Your time is worth it. And I think you will find sponsors if that's what you need so that people can still join the group. I think it will happen. I mean, Um, if it's $10 a month and you get people's credit cards, they won't even feel it. Yep. Exactly. Come on. Just think of how many people spend Netflix and never watch TV. It's like, come on. Yeah, you can quote quote her on that. There was Sony said. Exactly. So thank you both for your support on that. I appreciate it. Of course. Totally. Thanks. Thanks for being a guest today, Hannah. It was great to chat with you. Thank you both so much. Yeah, appreciate you. We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a DM on our Instagram, Missoni and Marshall, and we will be back next week. Thanks for joining, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.